This is the Unleash Your Life podcast, where you're going to learn to rewild yourself. I'm your host, Lane Smith-Brown, and I'm a best-selling author and rewilding guide. And over the last 20 years, I've been guiding women back to their truest selves. You see, you were born wild with all the wisdom you will ever need to navigate your life in a beautiful and powerful way. Then, just like everyone else on the planet, you got tamed as you fell under the power and influence of others who were also tamed. All that taming you got as a kid has you convinced you are less powerful than you really are. I call all of that unconscious programming power leaks. And on this show, you're going to discover yours and then you're going to choose to plug them so you can get back to the wild, wise and powerful being that you are. So grab a coffee, glass of wine or a favorite friend or all three. And let's talk about what living your wild self can mean for you. Hello and welcome to the show. This is episode number 13 of the Unleash Your Life podcast. And this is Lane Smith Brown. And today we're going to continue some of the discussions we've been having on how we drift through our life. When what we could be doing is tapping into our energy of the divine intuition and self-assurance that comes from connecting to the truth of who we are and what we've come to bring the world. Now, I have spent my whole life organizing shit and learning to be strategic. In retrospect, I can see that it all began as a way to cope with a childhood that felt rather random and unpredictable. I don't know that that's particularly different for any of you, especially if you also had a home life filled with secret rules and a mysterious set of standards that needed to be followed in order to be accepted as part of the pack. If it wasn't your home life, it may have been with your peers or your culture or religion or society in general. Do you remember having to do something or say something to fit in, to make peace, to make sense of the confusion? My mom understood that I had a talent for helping her navigate my father's moods. So I was often put in a position of bringing up hot topics with my dad that she knew she could not navigate on her own without making him very angry. So I learned to be very skillful in how I manipulated information so that my father would hear what he needed to hear, but he didn't feel attacked or threatened in any way. You see, my mother and father never actually developed a skill set for hearing each other. And yet they lasted somehow for 50 years. This experience and training had me convinced I could read minds and control minds. I learned to be calculating by thinking through what I was going to say very, very carefully so that I could orchestrate the outcome my mom desired. Fast forward to adulthood and I had learned to believe I had this extraordinary skill set to organize my life and each and every situation I encountered, and even how other people behaved or reacted. <laughs> well, I lived as if that were true for a really long time anyways, but it was only an illusion, 
and I'll show you how. I really thought that how I processed and understood information was the right way. And how I delivered that information was always the best thing for the situation at hand. So a tendency that was developed in kidhood over a need to survive or a need to make sense of things, compounded by encouragement from an adult, my mom, to use my ability to control another human being, my dad, eventually led me to believe that I could read people's minds and know what was best for them. <laughs> Can one be more arrogant than that? Nope, I don't think so. I think I had that pretty much nailed down. Now, in fairness to me, and in fairness to any of you who have a tendency towards being a controller, these behaviors and skill sets develop very, very subtly over time. And they're based on some level on survival. It becomes a role, but it never feels like a role that you choose. Instead, it feels like a role that was thrust upon you. And because that expectation, more often than not, comes from other adults, we do everything in our power to become good at it. Because at some level, we're hearing that this is a requirement for me to survive this situation. This is what I mean by secret rules and mysterious standards. Now, this all may feel a little muddy to you, and that's mostly because it is. We take in this hodgepodge of information, expectations, requirements, rules, written or unwritten, because we understand on some primal level that we need to navigate to survive whatever is presented. Now, there's lots about myself that I really appreciate. When it comes to organizing things, I'm really awesome at it. There are many people in many companies who have paid me well to help them create a flow to their life or their workspace based on how my mind is able to see either their surroundings or how they are doing their life. I love that I have that skill set. It helps me get a great deal of things done in my life and it's helped a lot of people. But every behavior that is serving you has the potential to do the exact opposite. Now, I'm going to dissect this from my own personal experience and hopefully you're going to be able to see a variation of this in your own life or you're going to see it in others and understand why it's there. Whichever applies, you'll be able to see yourself and others in a more enlightened way. After all, what we're doing here is learning to awaken to the behaviors, the tendencies and the characteristics that are working against us as we are moving ourselves to the life we came to live. So about two years into my relationship with Callie, she went away to visit her family for a couple of weeks. Now, we'd lived together long enough for me to come to the conclusion 
that she could really, really benefit from someone with my organizational skills. Remember, I'm still in my arrogant phase at this point. So out of the kindness of my heart, I chose to give her the gift of reorganizing her closet. So it made more sense to her. <laughs> oh my goodness, thinking back to this makes me just cringe. So I pulled everything out of her dresser, everything out of her closet, everything off the floor or from under the bed, and I organized her personal space the way I would organize my personal space. Then I went to the workshop and I applied my enormous gifts and talents to that space as well. Oh, I was so excited to give her this gift. I could hardly keep from telling her when we talked on the phone. I knew this would make her life infinitely better than it currently was. I picked her up at the airport and drove her home and I waited for her to discover the miracle, the miracle I had left in our bedroom. Within a few minutes, she came back into the kitchen, grabbed her coat and went for a really long walk. She had said nothing. I was both devastated and completely confused. She finally came back and was able to articulate how incredibly invasive and disrespectful that felt to her. I was dumbfounded. I was actually operating from the perspective that my way was the right way. The way I saw the world was the correct way to see the world. But in what I thought was an incredibly generous and beautiful gift was me taking away her autonomy. It was the last thing I thought I was doing, but it was what I was doing. I was trying to control her, but I had convinced myself I was trying to help her. You see, <laughs> most of us, who are operating from, from this controlling place, uh, we've learned to convince ourselves that how we think is better than how someone else thinks. Our way of doing things makes infinitely more sense than how they do things. It is complete and utter arrogance wrapped up in a fairly passive-aggressive way to control others' behaviors and choices so that we can feel better. This was such an enormous epiphany for me, I cannot even find the words to tell you. I had learned the behavior in order to navigate my childhood, and I took to it quite naturally. It wasn't like I spent time trying to learn to be organized or to think strategically. It was simply fostered and encouraged by people I depended on for my survival. So to actually be confronted with the fact that my desire to be helpful could be construed as a negative thing was a very bitter pill to swallow. But now I could see it. And seeing it so plainly, seeing how I was sending a message that someone I loved was actually living their life incorrectly, woke me up. From that point on, 
I chose to direct my gift for organizing things towards myself and those who were paying me to deliver that service. But I did not have to apply it to people or situations in my life where my advice and expertise was not being asked for. So that's the obvious side of the outworkings of the controller. But let's scratch the surface a little bit and see what's lurking below, because this is where the magic happens. When you live your life from a need to control outcomes, you have a whole bunch of unwritten rules and standards that you are judging other people's behaviors from. And those unwritten rules and standards can change at any time. So the people in your life are always left in a state of confusion. And another way to control people is firmly in place. So you may say you don't care what somebody is going to wear on your date night and you hold your tongue when you see what they chose to wear. But you're disappointed that they did not choose what you would have chosen for them. Or you have a conversation in your own head about how you want someone to respond to you in a given situation, and they don't respond in that way. So you're disappointed. Or you're in a conversation and they don't agree with you. They actually have another opinion, and you are disappointed with how it all goes. It's like you've rehearsed a situation that involves another human being as if you were both playing roles in a play and the play has dialogue and stage cues all laid out for you and all the other players. But because everyone else is their own person, they fuck up their lines or miss their cues and they inevitably disappoint you. Or perhaps the bigger tragedy is that they acquiesce to every one of your subtle and not so subtle cues or demands and just conform to whatever you want. So they deny themselves what they want, what they came to do and what they came to be and what they came to experience. They simply become the people pleaser to keep the peace. It's a perfect match, don't you think? Another way to keep you locked into this power leak of disappointment is by creating rules for your own life that give you some sense of control over your own experience. And those rules could be about what you eat, where you eat, what time you eat. They could be about how you need your environment to be maybe neat or quiet or private. Maybe it's about what you watch or listen to because you want to watch or listen to um, is always better than what anyone else wants to watch or listen to. The end result is that you don't need to adapt, but everyone else does. And if they fail, you get your hit of disappointment and the addiction is appeased. Win-win, right? All right, so you can clearly see that the need to be disappointed is what is playing in the background of anyone who has a tendency towards controlling people or situations. And that aspect can be a result of all kinds of things. Let me show you how it all began with me. 
My father made a lot of promises that he never kept, but I believed him every time. I kept the faith. I knew this time would be different, but it never was. Now, if you've been listening for a while, you're very familiar with the ego's need to keep you in familiar situations so that it can believe you are safe. So have that in your mind as I continue. It's not like I could articulate that my father's behavior disappointed me. I was probably too young to put that together. But his behavior conditioned me to expect to be disappointed. This is how behaviors become addictions. Not by choice, but because you become convinced that this is the only way life works for you. This is all subconsciously playing in the background. I wasn't deliberately walking into situations and saying to myself, what is it I can do, say, or think that will create an opportunity for me to be disappointed. It's not that straightforward. But I have con unconsciously become an energetic match to being disappointed. So I need to continue to create situations that will keep me in the energetic state of disappointment. Can you see this? I know that this is a little bit complicated and as I said, it's a little bit muddy, but we are constantly operating from the place of becoming an energetic match to what it is that's sitting in front of us. And this is why you want to wake up and stop your drifting, especially if what you have in your life is a bit of a disappointment to you and you want something more. You need to learn to change that energetic state and the expectations. So can you see areas of your life where you keep finding yourself in a familiar feeling of disappointment? Even though your situation and mine can be incredibly different, the end result of our interactions with people or our interactions with work or our interactions in relationships can leave us with a common feeling of disappointment. When I realized that my ego was maneuvering me into situations so that I could continue to feel disappointment, the cork popped. Now, remember my analogy of the champagne bottle containing an energetic force and the cork on the top of that champagne bottle being the lie or the distortion that is plugging all of that amazing energy from getting out? That energy is your authentic power being trapped inside that bottle underneath that cork. You know, the unconscious conditioning you're living from. So... Me realizing that I had subconsciously been orchestrating situations in my life so that people or situations would disappoint me, like my dad disappointed me, popped the damn cork. Now, I'm free to enter every encounter with another human from a place of them having their own agenda, desires, dreams, biases, etc., and all of that is as important to them as mine are to me. 
from this awareness, I stand in my own authentic power. All of that power that was stopped up by that freaking lie that I had to be disappointed, all that energy was released so that I can now live my life from my own values, my own interests, and my own desires, my own goals. And I can give others the freedom to do exactly the same for themselves. No one can disappoint me. You see, disappointment is purely an emotion. Emotions are completely malleable. We think sometimes that we have no control over what we feel. But it's one place that we have all of the control. No one can make me happy. No one can make me sad. No one can make me mad. No one can make me feel important. And no one can make me feel disappointed. I do it to myself. Oh no, that doesn't make any sense, does it? Your mate or your friends can make you feel all kinds of things, can't they? Your clients or your boss can make you feel all kinds of things. Watching TV commercials or TV shows can make you feel all kinds of things, right? All of those feelings are a choice. All of your feelings are a choice. No one can make you feel anything. Everything you feel, you are choosing to feel. All of that is simply your ego trying to keep you in a familiar place. Whether it's depressed or disappointed or bullied or you name it. If there's a reoccurring emotion in your life that you can see plainly, you're stuck in the familiar equal safe scenario. This is why we're having these conversations, women. This is messy, messy work. But I'll tell you right now, as you look at your day and at your week and at your month and you start to see familiar feelings showing up regularly, you are so close to popping that fucking cork and unleashing all of that pent up energy that is sitting just below that obstruction to move you forward in your life. I actually thought it was insecurity and unworthiness that was holding me back from a bigger life. And it was. And I did the work to get rid of those feelings and tendencies and came to believe I was made of some pretty good stuff. And my life actually did move forward. But we are multi-layered beings and this is why the work of awakening can take some time. And all of a sudden you could be standing in a position where you realized, oh, I was not only operating from insecurity and unworthiness, I was also operating from a position where I needed to feel disappointment, as if it was a drug. So what's your common feeling? What's the feeling that might be playing underneath the obvious ones? Do you need to feel bullied? Or do you need to hold grudges so that you don't have to let somebody off the hook? It's another way we can get disappointed, isn't it? Do you have such high expectations of people that they could never meet them? That would be a great way to get disappointed. 
Do you live in regret so that you can feel disappointed about yourself? Do you live in shame so that you can feel disappointed about yourself? Do you have impossible standards for yourself so you can fail and be disappointed? Do you live in fear so that you have an excuse not to ever move forward on anything? Because that's another way you could be disappointed with yourself. If disappointment doesn't ring a bell, are you doing things that leave you feeling like no one ever hears you? Or they don't think what you have to say is important or valuable. Does any of that register as disappointment? What's your familiar feeling from kidhood? What are you an energetic match for? I know for some of you, you're feeling like I'm throwing you into the weeds here. I don't want to overwhelm you with a whole bunch of different scenarios here, but I want you to see why you might be feeling like you're drifting and have no control over your life and what happens. Yeah, it feels like that. But the truth is, it's just the same old ego game of familiar equals safe. And if you want things to change, you need to change the dance. Is this resonating? Can you see where you're doing this? I suspect some of you will be saying, hell yes, I can see it now. So now what? What can you do to create the change? For me, as I explained earlier, just having the epiphany that I have spent decades orchestrating situations on an energetic level to keep reinforcing my need to feel like I did when I was a kid was enough for me to stop the behavior. If you need more help, you can modify the line I've used before in previous shows to help you transform your experience. I used to believe that, but I no longer do. You can change it to, I used to do that, but I no longer do. I used to do that, but I no longer do. It's one way to kind of retrain your brain to start thinking differently. It has a, a relaxing kind of tone that, that kind of allows the ego to kind of take a back seat. If that doesn't work, the Juicy Cues download in the show notes will help you reprogram these old patterns. They work and they're free. So if you haven't taken advantage of it yet, do so because it just makes a bit lighter work of all of this stuff. We're just about at the end of this one, but I just wanted to give you some context for the stories I tell about my kidhood. Know that I'm not beating up on my dad when I tell stories on him. He had his own shit to deal with, and I know that, and we have long since made peace with all of this stuff. Remember, we chose where we landed because there were some skills we needed to learn for the life we came to live. Everything that someone uses to hold them back is something that someone else uses to propel them forward. That's just the way of it. Let's continue to discover what's holding us back. Let's let it go and let's move the fuck on so that we can unleash our lives. Are you game? I hope so. Thanks for listening. 
and see you next time. Well, I hope this show rocked your world a little bit. If you want additional resources, check out the links in the show notes or at lanesmithbrown.com. Before you go, please subscribe to this podcast. It's how we get these tools into the world. And this world needs more wild women standing in their authentic power. Do that for me, will ya? Thank you.